as a busy internist was more than comfortable. He doubted if he would splurge on first-class fare between London and New York, and certainly could never afford the private jet in which his wife, and sometimes Andrew, traveled around North America. Correction, he reminded himself, had traveled until now. What changes lay immediately ahead were far from certain. Money, though, had never been any kind of issue in their marriage. They had never had the slightest argument about it, and right from the beginning his wife had insisted that what they had, they had together. Their bank accounts were always joint, and though Andrew's contribution nowadays was by far the smaller, neither bothered with comparative arithmetic. His thoughts drifted, and they continued to hold hands as the 747 thrummed westward above the Atlantic far below. Andrew, you're such a comfort, always there, and always so strong. That's funny. Strong is what I was thinking about you. There are different kinds of strength, and I need yours. The usual airline bustle was beginning, preparatory to service of their meal. Stowaway tables were being released, white linen and silverware appearing on them. After a while, his wife said, Whatever happens, I'm going to fight. Haven't you always? She was thinking carefully as usual. Within the next few days, I'll choose a lawyer. It must be someone solid, but not flamboyant. Too much showmanship would be a mistake. He squeezed her hand. That's my girl. She smiled back at him. Will you sit beside me in court? Every day. Patients can fend for themselves until it's done. You'd never let that happen, but I would like you with me. There are other doctors. Arrangements will be made. Maybe, maybe with the right lawyer we can pull off a miracle. Andrew dipped a knife into a helping of caviar that had just been placed before him. However acute their troubles, there was no point in passing up that. It could happen. He said, spreading the caviar on toast. We started with a miracle, you and I. And there have been others since, which you've made happen. Why not one more? This time just for you. It would be a miracle. Will be, he corrected gently. Andrew closed his eyes. The champagne and the altitude had made him sleepy. But in his sleepiness he remembered the first miracle, long ago. 1. 1957 to 1963 Chapter 1. Dr. Jordan said quietly, Your wife is dying, John. She has a few hours more. That's all. He added, conscious of the pale, anguished face of the slight young man before him, still dressed in his factory work clothes, I wish I could tell you something else, but I thought you'd want the truth. They were in St. Bede's Hospital in Morristown, New Jersey. Early evening noises from outside, small town noises, filtered in, barely disturbing the silence between them. In the dimmed light of the hospital room, Andrew watched the Adam's apple of the patient's husband bob twice convulsively before he managed to get out. I just can't believe it. We're just beginning, getting started. You know we have a baby. Yes, I know. It's so... Unfair? The young man nodded. A good, decent man, hard-working from the look of him. John Rao. He was 25, only four years younger than Dr. Jordan himself. And he was taking this badly, not surprisingly. Andrew wished he could comfort the other man more. Though Andrew encountered death often enough, and was trained to know the signs of death's approach, he still was uncertain about communicating with a dying person's friends or family. Should a doctor be blunt, direct, or was there some subtler way? It was something they didn't teach in medical school, or afterward either. Viruses are unfair, though mostly they don't act the way this has with Mary. Usually they'll respond to treatment. Isn't there anything, some drug which could... Andrew shook his head. No point in going into details by answering, not yet, 
So far, no drug for the acute coma of advanced infectious hepatitis. Nor would anything be gained by saying that earlier today he had consulted his senior partner in practice, Dr. Noah Townsend, who also happened to be the hospital's chief of medicine. An hour earlier, Townsend had told Andrew, You've done all you can. There's nothing I'd have done differently. It was then that Andrew sent a message to the factory in the nearby town of Boonton, where John Rao was working on the swing shift. God damn! Andrew's eyes glanced at the elevated metal bed with the still figure. It was the only bed in the room because of the prominent isolation notice in the corridor outside. The IV bottle on its stand stood behind the bed, dripping its contents, dextrose, normal saline, B-complex vitamins, into Mary Rao through a needle in the forearm vein. It was already dark outside. Occasionally there were rumblings from a storm, and it was raining heavily. A lousy night, and the last night of living for this young wife and mother.